Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Alex O. Young from Fat Eatery coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She is a bartender and beverage consultant. And, of course, my beloved friend, Linda Salinas. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good. Howdy. Howdy. Thanks for being here. All right. Let's dive right into the news of the week. <laughs> Topic number one. We're going to talk about uh, a successful Malaysian restaurant in Katy. When Alex gets here, but that uh, Katie's booming and they're going to have a new dim sum restaurant sometime in the near future. This one is Tim Ho Wan. It is a Hong Kong based restaurant. Their Hong Kong location is a Michelin star. They have locations in New York, Irvine, California. They're coming to Vegas and now they're coming to Houston. Linda, you, you, you go to New York more than I do. Have you been to Tim Ho Wan? I have not, but what I think is interesting is, is that Katie is not Houston. It's a suburb. And it's not Chinatown, which is usually where these things would go. So I am interested. At, I mean, okay, so we're going to talk about this this Michelin-rated, right? Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, the Hong so, Kong location so has a Michelin store. It's a It's a Michelin-rated establishment, and they're not dropping it inside of the loop no you know and second is there anything that's close to that and like like i love yawacha like well yeah i think i think that is the obvious comparison right, right? So, because that is a yawacha's london location has a michelin star yeah and so yawacha is excellent and i think like it's the creme de la creme but it is expensive yeah as as uh as our friend emily would say it expensive yeah it's very expensive and so so but tim hoan is known for being very affordable like even in new york almost all of their dishes are under six bucks hmm. interesting more intrigue you're more intrigued i'm now. more intrigued because you know i mean i'll be honest with you like if you would have dropped yowacha into katie or you know or, or, or on bel-air somewhere or on bel-air somewhere like i don't i don't necessarily know that it would do well you know what I mean? Oh, I don't think so either. I think I think Yawacha is a luxurious experience. It's a great, and it yeah. makes and it makes sense in the Galleria, which is why I don't write. Which is why I think Tim Ho Wan will make sense in Katy because it's an affordable experience in an area where there's a lot of other relatively inexpensive restaurants. Well, yeah, and not only that, but like you know, a Malaysian restaurant is just crushing it over there. Like the guys talking about. He needs more room, you know, and they're, I mean, like inside the loop, we're, we, we're becoming a little saturated, you know, like absolutely saturated to the point where like everyone that opens up a new restaurant is struggling to get staff, to struggling to get cooks, struggling, you know what I mean? Like yeah. programming, like um, all that stuff. Like it's, I mean, there might be a little. There's opportunity, right. And, yeah, and, absolutely. And we've talked about ambitious Asian restaurants from different countries in Katy. Yeah. Right. Tobio Sushi's doing very well. 
you know, Tiger Noodle House makes some of the best soup dumplings in Houston, in my opinion. So, you know, I'm there's not, not going to fight you right now, but we'll, we'll talk later. Have you been to Tiger Noodle and Katie? We'll have to talk about that. All right. Later. That's fine. All right. But, that's but for so, another day, but so Katie's, so Katie's blowing up as a destination for yeah. all kinds of, and so it, it makes a certain amount of sense that Tim Hoan chose Katie and, and like realistically, I suspect I mean, re- there will be other Tim Hoan locations. Yeah. But. And it might also be like the real estate is completely different, you know? Yeah. Um, and the demographic is very different. You know, we have a lot of single diners here, like inside the loop. It's a lot of single diners, dates, you know, young professionals, you right. know. Dim sum is more fun in a crowd. Dim oh, sum yeah, is like absolutely. round up six of your buddies and crush dumplings all day. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we'll see what happens. You that's can, your favorite. That's your favorite thing to say. If I if I offer if I drive, will you go to Katie to try Tim Hoan? Okay. Uh, all right. But you know, I am a sucker for a dumpling. So yeah. All right. All right. Topic number two. Rosalie Italian Soul coming to the C Baldwin Hotel in September. This is the new project from Chris Costantino. I'm going to have Chris on the show next week. So we're going to talk about it in more detail then. But that restaurant is one that's people are watching. It now has a chef. Her name is Sasha Grumman. She worked with Chris at Coxcomb in San Francisco. She spent the last year as the chef de cuisine at Laundrette. Uh, let me just let me just throw this to you. Are you excited about Chris Cosentino coming to Houston? Are you are you intrigued by Rosalie? Okay, so I'm already a fan of Chris Constantino, and I have been. I went to his uh, uh, Encanto, like that that restaurant in San Francisco before it closed. Very famous restaurant. Very the- famous restaurant. It was an awful, uh, awful, you know, um, d- delicious goody bits. You know, um, I went to that restaurant, and it was. Excellent. Fantastic. Um, it was in a neighborhood that was not, it was basically like dropping a restaurant on like Fairview, you know, like, like not very walk. It's not like it's a neighborhood. And so, um, obviously the rents there are very expensive. He obviously found, you know, found a a better, a better way to do a restaurant. And I mean, he's, he's exploding. Like he has two locations. I'm a big fan of, of his, but I mean, I think that a couple of things that concern me is is that how many people really know about Chris, Chris Constantino? Well, I I mean we'll we'll find out obviously, yeah. but you know I I did a little date right. He won season four of Top Chef Masters. Okay, he's had a so- show on the Food Network. He's got about one hundred and fifty thousand followers on Instagram, which it's is not much. I mean, it's it's more than I have. I mean, it's more than any. I mean, he has than, two restaurants. What are you saying? It's like, more than any chef in Houston has. I, I don't know. We'll have to pull up the stats for that. But regardless of that, you know, remember a guy from Austin that didn't he win Top Chef and he opened up a restaurant here? What happened? I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't well, know. I'm just like Well, I you know, I mean, you're but, you're talking about Paul Key and obviously there are there are larger issues at play with why Paul's a key wasn't successful. Okay. Right? Well, I'm not, look, I am, I, you know, I'm always going to pay, pay I'm always going to 
play devil's advocate with you because that's my role. Um, it, it, yes, both on this show and in my life. Yes, you're right. Um, so just but, just for comparison, Chris Shepard, twenty three thousand Instagram followers. Okay, all right, cool. Um, he also has. Look, we're not going to talk about that. Like, that's not. That's not I'm just saying he's there. pretty. I'm just saying Chris Cosentino. If you are into food, yeah, he's pretty famous. Okay. Um, yes, he is pretty famous, and I, I, what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that we've had other, you know, famous restaurants come into Houston. Um, I do think, I do think, however, regardless of you know me, me playing devil's advocate, is they have, they have the strongest food and beverage team, um, and like their food and food and beverage director was an old boss of mine. He's a total, like, hoss. Like, he's really good at his job. Um, What's his name? Uh, Charles Skipsky. Um, and then you have Annie Baylist is the GM, and she comes from Tony Tony's. And both of those, I mean, I think that there's a lot... What I'm saying is is that... The people behind the, the scenes, yes. right? Forget, forget the celebrity chef. Yes. Anyone who hired... Charles Gipsy and Annie Bayless would seem to be off to a good start. Yes, absolutely. And that really, I mean, that's a really good understanding of hospitality. And, you know, I think I was having a conversation with someone, you know, like yesterday or the day before. And they're like, well, what do you think? You know, do you think that it's ever going to be like an automated, you know, push buttons to get drinks and food? And that's, you know, we're, 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 we're pulling away. And I'm like, I, I don't think so because there's something very, there's something very nurturing about hospitality and going into a restaurant, a bar, a hotel and getting like a true like hospitality experience. That's what sets you apart from someone that can just make really good food, you know, and and not everyone knows that. And I think that the people that are behind this project really know that and know that very, very well. So I'm ex- I am excited to see it. I just like to push your button sometimes so. okay all right and then i do want to hit some news about for topic number three i have i have three parts but we're gonna we're gonna boogie through this let's do it uh I'm, i've described this as openings and expansions all right so state fair the texas comfort food restaurant in the gateway memorial city complex is going to open a second location in sugarland town square oh thank goodness Poor people at Sugarland don't have anything to eat out there. <laughs> Is that true? Uh, I don't know. Like, like seriously, like what's I? I have no idea how to. If someone asked me what's the best restaurant in Sugarland, I would have no idea how to. Answer I that really, I don't either. I was actually there's there's an Azuma out there and a Churrasco's. That's probably that would probably be my guess. But I mean, if someone would uh, like to send some some recommendations some, out in the land of sugar, yeah, that's you right. Know? You can tweet at. K Linda Q U E underscore Linda. Don't tweet me, just tweet Linda. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I, I was uh, I went to go see a client in Sugarland, and you know, I had a a PR PR person message me, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, you're going to be working on a project in Sugarland? There's nothing to eat here." And I was like, "Oh, I was like, uh, no, but if you n- know someone that needs some." good old fashioned beverage 
consulting out in Sugarland. Uh, I'd be glad to come help, but I mean, I really, I mean, I, I really don't know. Um, I do think that state of uh, state fair state fair is a great brand. They do really, really great food. Yeah, and it's it's changed hands. Obviously, it was it was originally part of Cherry Pie Hospitality, which doesn't exist anymore. Now it's uh, affiliated with the owners of Star Cinema Grill. They've got a new chef. I had lunch out there a couple of weeks ago. You know, I think it's it's maintaining. Yeah. So I'm I'm optimistic. I think this is and and it's it's family friendly. It's perfect for Sugarland. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, late fall. All right. Topic three, subpart two. <laughs> California-based burger chain Fat Burger announced their plans to open 25 locations across Texas. Uh, the obvious comparison is In and Out, which is slowly finally coming to Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a it's a thicker patty. It's they they have more. You can get like chili and onion rings and and stuff. They sell wings, right? In and Out's a very pure, a very pure experience. Um, I don't know. You ever been to a fat burger? No, me neither. Do you are do you feel like we have enough burger choices, or or do you feel like the more the merrier? Mm, the more the merrier. Me too. You know, the more the merrier. Like, I don't know what that's going to look like. You know, I mean. Right. We don't know when or where these restaurants are going to open. That so it seems it's like very... such a Captain Vague, Eric Sandler. It's not it's... me. I'm not the one who put out the press release. What? Oh, come on now. Let's, let's, let's flip through this. Come on. All right. And finally, uh, a new Torchies is opening in West U August 14th. Do you care? Do you go to Torchies? No. No. There is no greater discrepancy between like the average consumer and people who write about food than Torchies. I don't know. I don't know any food writers or serious restaurant people who like that place. And every single time I drive past any of them, there's a line out the door. It's great. You know what? They're monsters. They're monsters. They, they just crush. And, and, I, and I mean, yeah, I, I respect it as a business. I yeah. just have no desire to eat. There. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not about, you know, paying $5 for a piece of fried avocado in a mediocre, you know, tortilla that tortilla. was made. Who knows when? Yeah. You know, which is, but you know what? Like crush. Yeah. Crush. People love that shit. They do. And they're always, I mean, I remember when they, when they opened up in West U, it's a second location in West Right. U. They have one in Rice Village. That's, that's Rice Village. Yeah. Like too small for Rice Village. It's always crowded. Yeah. So they're taking over. What used to be the showbiz pizza in the same parking lot is like bearings and there's a specs there and a Michael's. So way more parking, which is good news for any torches. For, for any Houstonian, my right. goodness. We love our cars. And uh yeah, but like West U Little League games, you know like what? all that's like it, it's gonna be stupid crowded the whole If I could if I could jump. If I could do an emoji, it would be Yas Queen, you know, like, all right, you do you. I mean, like, just crush, you know? Yeah. I think it's great. I mean, honestly, it's those sorts of brands that, like, as, as like, as, like, a food person, it's, like, make your money, you know, make your money, like, have your lines, like, that's great, you know? Um, it means that you don't have to go to fancy places all the time, you know, like, there's a brand of very, like, I think it's an awesome brand is like local foods, you know, mm-hmm. local foods is there's always a line and it always makes me so incredibly happy to see that it's busy and the ingredients are fresh and the people are happy to 
to be busy, you know? And so it's, I mean, it's a good thing. Absolutely. All right. That does it for the news of the week. We will be back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? All right, Linda, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk about five new restaurants and a couple of new bars that have opened recently. Just call it a freaking food hall. It is a freaking food hall. It's Bravery Chef Hall. (laughs) It is now open downtown in the RS Market Square Tower. There are five restaurants. There's front to back, like from the entrance to the, there's Bow Pasta. Front to back, side to side. Pizza, pizza, pizza and pasta from Penn McPherson. There's uh, Kokoro, uh, a sushi concept from a couple of chefs who used to work at Uchi. There's the Blind Goat, uh, Vietnamese food from MasterChef winner Christine Ha. There's Cherry Block, a steakhouse from Black Hill Meats owner Felix Flores and Chef Jess Timmons. And then finally, there is Atlas Diner from Richard Knight, formerly of Feast and Hunky Dory. Uh, we, we've both been to Bravery Chef Hall. We did not go together. What were, uh, what were a couple of your early favorites from Bravery? Uh, I love Christine Ha. Um, she's like, I love what they're doing. Um, yeah, this is not your typical Vietnamese food that you see at most other restaurants. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they do some of that. They have egg rolls and stuff. They have egg rolls, but everything's like, it's just these little details, I also snacked on a little slice of pizza. Uh, it's a Roman style. The Roman style, yeah. It's a Roman style, 72-hour uh, fermentation. So big old fat, crunchy, delicious bubbles in the, um, in the, uh, in the dough. Uh, great ingredients. Um, and I have not had it yet, but there is a piece of pie that has been eyeballing me every time I walk by Richard Knight's uh, stall. So yeah. So Richard is working with the same pastry chef he worked. Well, one of the pastry chefs he worked with at Hunky Dory. She is making uh, both a very delicious blueberry pie and also a very delicious key lime pie with a graham cracker crust. Uh, you know, strictly as a professional, I felt obligated to try them both. Oh, of course. Um, and then there's of course um, a couple of things uh, from. Kokoro, yeah, um, and they're just they're they're just a well oiled machine. Like out of all of them, you're gonna get like quick, fast, efficient, beautifully plated. You know, um, yeah. I will I will say, um, you know, I went I went once kind of for a media preview, and then I went back for lunch last week. I have been very impressed with Kokoro, yeah. sourcing uh, really beautiful bluefin tuna from the Gulf from from Mexico. Uh, Chutoro was fatty and rich and flavorful and delicious. Hamachi was seasoned well. Even like a salmon roll, which is kind of a basic thing, like had like a crunchy component that gave it a little texture that I thought. And I thought the rice had the right, like just the I right mean, kind of vinegar to it. I mean, those guys are. I mean, they're a machine. And they're also, you know, one of the, one, what I think is very interesting is, is that, you know, they have, you have to have someone that's, has the ability to work in front of other people. Like, because that's not how a lot of these, like Richard Knight had even, even said something like yeah, that. Yeah. We it's should like, say all of the stands at bravery are counters 
and it they're open kitchen so you you watch the chefs prepare your, your so that but, but that also means that they're because it's a counter that means that whoever's cooking also has to turn around and be part hospitality server kind of like waiter at the same time because the stalls are small and like you know i mean it's 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 an interest interesting demographic demographic like just in general like like the uh, the interaction the interaction that you have with with people and like the guys from uh, uh, the Uchi guys those guys are like like you can't break those guys like, no those guys are really good like they really they greet guests really quickly yeah they're obviously they know their menu very well they're able to make suggestions yeah you know I think I was watching some of the guys like cooking the pasta at Bo you know I think they you know they're kind of letting Ben do the talking for yeah you. like Ben's very good at that. And his crew will will develop uh, will develop their rapport, I think, with their diners over time. But I will say, uh, his pasta carbonara with the guanciale and the local farm eggs is like one of the best versions of that dish I've had in Houston. Hmm. So I think he's off to a good start. And we haven't talked. Did Did you try cherry block? I have, we have we hadn't gone by there yet. Okay, well I gotta say they're doing this uh, ribeye cap that's stuffed with shrimp andouille sausage, so you get shrimp. It's like a surf and turf in one bite. Uh, it's it's very delicious. You get a little bit of the wood smoke from the grill that they're using. And by the way, it's it's like an eight ounce portion. It's sixteen dollars. Oh, that's a it's great like, deal. Yeah, one of the nice things about Cherry Block is that you know it's a way to get a good quality choice steak for under twenty bucks. Very reasonable. They've got some cool appetizers. They do this like uh, mushroom pistolette, which is like a bruschetta kind of, you know. Um, and then you've got three bars. Yeah. And then you've, right, you've got a, a wine bar from Shepherd Ross with 30 wines on tap and a whole bunch of bottles. David Dacquery is doing a cocktail bar. And then uh, Jonathan Gallardo is doing the Secret Garden, which is kind of a frozens and not doing frozens. I mean, not yet. Oh. So what I'm saying, like, they, they, there's no frozens right now, so right. He, I would that, not, that's in the works. Yeah, so that's in the works. But um, he actually used to work at Prohibition, so he's he's just great at taking care of people. I mean, so does David oh good because I don't know him. I know D- David is a great personality behind the bar. No, both of the no, like everyone that is behind all of the bars are kind of masters at at their craft. You know, yeah. right? I mean, David's got a really cool. I mean, for a small bar, he's got a really cool whiskey selection. He's focused on rum, and he wants to get people drinking vermouth. Yes. Which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. That's one of those, like, wine nerd things that normal people haven't embraced yet. No, I mean, I don't I mean, I do a cocktail class. uh, I I kid you not. I do a cocktail class two or three times a week at Hotel Alessandra. And we, uh, we, I almost always in the middle of the class because it's, it's for, the guests as an amenity and I don't know how many times it's been we always talk about vermouth and I'm like do you know that it's wine but it's just fortified fortified means that there's a little bit of added alcohol into it yeah and a little bit of sweetness which actually makes it really easy to drink easy to drink and not only that it's you would never drink a bottle of wine that's been open for a month right so it's the same thing with vermouth like you don't want to when if it's not stored properly is what I'm Right. And and David understands that and he's keeping he's keeping it chilled and he's oh, no. rotating oh, them. Oh and no, all I'm, that. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying that like a lot of a lot of people Yeah, a lot just, of people are used to seeing it on a back bar 
and for like a martini and stuff and they don't understand that it hasn't been like they think they don't like vermouth but maybe they just don't like vermouth that isn't stored properly yes here we go yeah absolutely anyways so yeah i'm i'm with you i'm i'm very excited about bravery i've been kind of on the show in previous i've been down on finn hall uh which doesn't seem that compelling to me uh i am all in at least at least for right now i am all in on bravery um I've been I've been twice. I will go back. I want to explore more of those menus. I have not really had I you know, I've I've kind of sampled a couple of things at Blind Goat, but that is the I mean that goat curry that they're doing just looks fantastic. Yeah. And I can't wait to try it. Uh do you have a couple of new bars uh that I wanted to touch on just briefly? Uh the first is Two Headed Dog. This is the new Midtown effort from Lindsay Ray and Billy Boyd. You, people know them from places like Poison Girl and Grand Prize. Where is it located? So, so its address is thirty one hundred Fannin, which is the corner of Fannin and Elgin. But it's it's helpful to think about it as the entrance is on Elgin across the street from the CVS. So the nice thing about thirty one hundred Fannin is it's got a huge parking lot, like just on the other, like on it's on it's on one side, it's on the. West side of Fannin, right across on the east side of Fannin, there's a huge parking lot. So that's very helpful. Or just Uber. Like or a, just Uber. Like a good old drinking Houstonian. Yeah, don't 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 drive drunk. Yes. But I know people like people get nervous about parking. So I will say that it has plenty of parking. Yeah. But you should also not drive when you're drinking. So we'll just put that out there. Um Yeah, I I mean, this this was the my article about Billy and Lizzie's plans to open two-headed dog was the most popular food article on culture map in July. And it was a good month for food articles. That's that's so a lot of excitement about this place. Uh, what did you think? It's a great neighborhood bar. Um, they're, I mean, personally, I, I love those guys. Um, uh, I love Lindsay Ray and like as professionals, um, the bars, just a good old neighborhood bar and the fact that they have this delicious smoked rum pina colada that is so freaking good. Please, if someone tries it and does not like it, I'll you don't know what you're doing, you know. You're just your wrong. You're just wrong. No, um, no, their frozens are really good. Um, the bar's playful, the bathrooms are covered in, you know, nineteen sixties. Vintage pornography. You know, Vintage Playboys and Hustlers, like it's awesome. Um, it's just a little, you know, tongue in cheek. You yeah, know? it's a it's a bar with a sense of humor. Yeah, it doesn't take like they take the drinks very seriously. Like you can, they have draft cocktails, they have frozen cocktails. They're going to have bottled cocktails. Um, you can taste the effort that went into those recipes and creating them. But you can also order a Miller Lite or a Lone Star and not be shamed. Yeah, for it. Right, and you that's. Can- that's worth its weight in gold. Yeah, you, know? you could still get a vodka soda. Yes. But you should really get the frozen pina colada. Yes, you should. <laughs> and then uh, the other place, we also went to Penny Whistle Pub last week. This is the, the replacement for the harp. Uh, this is very much in my neighborhood. I've been going there quite a bit recently. I, you know, I just, you know, I was, I was always kind of out on the harp. Um, but I really like the renovations of the space. They've cleaned it up. They rebuilt the patio. It's much nicer inside. 
And the and AC is so cold. It's so cold, which is very, which is, it's almost too much. <laughs> almost. Which, but it's, it's August in Houston, so it's just right. And, you know, really affordable house cocktails. $7 overproof daiquiri, $8 old-fashioned. Uh, the bar manager, Matt Delaney, is like a, a really good personality, very welcoming. Yeah, he's from San Antonio. Yep, moved here from uh, San Antonio. He worked at... Uh, Nightingale? Nightingale, and then at Boss Cat. Um, he's doing good stuff there. Yeah, and he's a great personality, and you know, there's there's a lot to be said when you walk in and you're... You're greeted adequately, you know, uh, yeah. with great enthusiasm, <laughs> which I really appreciate. Uh, Toasted Coconut is going to be opening in the next month or two. There's Revelry down the way. There's... Uh, yeah, Candente, the Tex-Mex restaurant from the Pit Room folks. That's going to be down the street a little bit soon. Yeah, and they also have... I really love that. The Patio. Which yeah, is the Patio their, right which next is to the like, Pit Room. It's an awesome, awesome dive bar. I love going in there and just being okay just sitting with friends on the patio and playing cards. And I mean, that whole neighborhood is just right. Night Heron's correct. right around the corner. Night Heron, Nobies yeah. is, a, is a couple of blocks down the street. I mean, it's, it's that stretch of Richmond from Shepherd to Montrose is really coming together in, in a fun and interesting way. Oh, and then uh Lottie Dottie. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, we've talked, you and I, we've talked about Lottie Dottie on the show before, but I, I do think it's, it's really hitting its stride. Yeah. I mean, Best cheeseburger and fries for $8 in the city. All, All right. right. So if you had to choose the $8 cheeseburger at Lottie Dottie or the $5 cheeseburger at Cantina Barba? Uh, Lottie Dottie. Lottie Dottie because it comes with fries and then they, they, uh, they sprinkle a little bit of sea salt and apple cider vinegar on the fries. And it's really all about the details. And um, the condiment... Uh, mayonnaise and Dijon in one. You know, I'm a condiment queen. Dijon age? Yes, queen. Ugh, so good. So, sorry. Sorry, Cantina Barba. I love your cheeseburger, but I have found a new lover. <laughs> All right. That does it for the Restaurants of the Week. I'll be right back with Alex Oyang. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I'm joined this week by Alex O'Young. He's the chef owner of Fat Eatery in Katy. Alex, welcome to the show. How are you? How are you? I'm doing great. I'm good. Thanks for being here. I always like to start these interviews at the beginning. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how you got started in the restaurant business? I was not in the restaurant business at the beginning. And then I was in the automotive performance business. And uh, at the end, I sold the sold the shop to my employees and one of the customers that was there he was a chef and he need help on a big catering order he said hey alex you have nothing to do can you help me okay okay why not then that's how it all started then after that i opened my first restaurant it's called walk and roll by fountainville uh it's a 600 square foot uh delivery shop we have like six seats and that's how it all started and i love it (laughs) Okay, so I, I have to, I, like, so I, this, this is not a part of my life that I ever talk about on, on the show, but I, I used to spend too much money on my car, so what was your, <laughs> what was your performance shop? It was called Hocus Pocus. <laughs> yes. And you sold, like, NOS and turbos and springs yes, and all that exactly, kind of stuff? Yes, exactly, exactly, yeah. We had one of the fastest all-motor Honda in Texas at the time. Uh, it was running 
eleven two in the quarter mile. No that, nitrous, no turbo. That's a that's a very for for anyone who doesn't know, that's a really fast Honda. Yeah, that was like back in the late nineties. All right. And then so what about the restaurant business appealed to you? Like what what was it about that that made it seem like a nice change over uh being in the car business? Actually, after the first restaurant, I told myself I would never be in the restaurant business again. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, but I end up, I thought about it, I, and I, go, I still go back to the restaurant business. I love it, and it's just something I love to do. So what, uh, what, what prompted your interest in Malaysian food specifically? It is, to be honest, it's a niche that you don't have a lot of them around town. And it's not like a burger. I mean, some people might like this burger. Some people might like that burger. Malaysian, and it's a big melting pot. I think there are a lot of flavors that's like different than other cuisine. So that's why we do. We've been doing Malaysian f- food. Yeah. Have you been to Malaysia? Yes, yes. I was. I was born in Malaysia. Uh, I was raised in Hong Kong. Okay. Yes. Okay. So you have. So so then are the the recipes you're serving? Are they family recipes or are they? Had you worked in a Malaysian restaurant before you moved here? I, I, no, I learned from a Cantonese chef in Hong Kong, but then I know not really any other like Malaysian restaurant experience. But uh, when I had my first restaurant, that is like uh, first Malaysian restaurant that I partnered with. I did not get in, too much involved in the kitchen, but I did started founded that two restaurants. So, but after that, I sold my share about four years ago. After eight years. Okay, yeah. which restaurant was that? It's uh, somewhere on Bel Air Malaysian restaurant. I prefer not to mention the name. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they've been around for 11 years. There are not too many of them around for 11 years. Okay, people, people will probably be able to figure out oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which ones you're talking about. Yeah. I, 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 have a guess. I have a guess myself, but we'll, we'll keep moving. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so you had business partners. You had a restaurant on Bel Air. Yeah. What made you decide to go off on your own and, and, and open in Katy specifically? I just think there's there, there are a lot of potential in Katy, a lot of uh, family moving to Katy because of school districts, and I can see the future of Katy. Uh, I've been in, around the international district for a long time. I've run many many businesses in the international district or Chinatown, whatever you call it. Uh, so I think it's time for a change. So just go to Katy, and we love it. I think it's one of the best decisions ever did in my life. Okay. What about, what about the decision? What, what aspects of that decision are you the happiest with? Mm. I mean, because you're, 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 you're in an interesting area, right? You're in that Katy Asian town development yes. with so many other restaurants and, and really like more boba shops than I, I knew existed <laughs> in the world. Uh, how's, that, how's that going so far? Because it, it seems like there's a lot of competition there. I would. I always say I do not call it a competition. I would like to call it a destination. You want you want food, you just go there. You might not have Malaysian food every day. You might have a bowl of pho one day. You might have a barbecue the other day. I mean, hey, it's all good. Yeah. Um, so what uh, what are some of the dishes that have proven to be the most popular? Roti canai, uh, which is an Indian flatbread with a curry dip. And the sizzling tofu that the tofu we made in house, like we made like two three times a day, uh, two three batches a day because there's only our steamer is only so big. There's only so much we can make. 
Uh, those, I mean, the Hainan chicken, which is bonus. I mean, th- th- those are, we have a pretty, pretty concentrated menu. So pretty much all of them are selling, are moving pretty good. Is that typical for a restaurant to make its own tofu like that? Or is that something, is that like an extra element that you're adding? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, like, do most restaurants buy their tofu or do most restaurants make their tofu? Is that like a a sign of attention to detail that you're making your own. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, it's an egg tofu that we made in-house. You, you pretty much, it's very similar to Japanese uh, egg tofu, but we make it our own way. Yeah. Yeah. What else are you making in-house that's maybe, maybe most restaurants wouldn't make? I would say number one has to be the tofu and there are a lot of stuff we, I mean, like the curry beef, the curry sauce, we do not use, we, we cook our own curry sauce, we cook our own curry based. Uh, that is not store bought or anything. No. What yeah. what goes into the curry? Like, how do you make it? Oh, onion, garlic, curry leaves, uh, lemongrass, and then we got to cook it for like a, a good hour with just those things before we can even put or any meat or anything in there. So the whole process takes about three four hours. Yeah. And the balajan is something that can be store bought, but we made our own. What is that? I'm sorry. Balajan, which is a uh, shrimp paste. It's like the staple of Malaysian food. It's a little bit spicy. Uh, it's a pressed shrimp paste. And then we cook it with dry shrimp and onion, garlic, hunan yard. Yeah. Do you, do you find that customers know what Malaysian food is or are you having to educate them about it? We, I am so surprised that a lot of our guests, they do know Malaysian food very well. Because I guess because of the oil and gas industry, a lot of people actually worked in Singapore or Malaysia before, or they, they lived there for like three, five, seven, eight years. Many, many of them, but sure, most of, majority of them, we have to educate them a little bit. Uh, what is Malaysian food? It's not that spicy. It's not as, as spicy as you think. Uh, stuff like that. Yeah, we do that pretty much all day long, every day. Did, uh, did the success of Crazy Rich Asians help you at all? Did that drive more interest in... in Food from Singapore and, and Malaysia in general? Maybe a little bit. A lot, a lot of guests talk about it. I have not seen the movie yet. Oh, it's great. <laughs> oh, okay, maybe I have to see it. I mean, the, the food scenes are really fun. Yeah. Um, so what would you say, I mean, you've owned restaurants before, obviously, but what would you say were your biggest challenges? You're, you're at about the one-year mark. What would you say were the, the biggest challenges in your first year of being open? Space, uh, the line, and explain to the guests that how does the reservation and the walk-in, how does that all work together, why there's an empty table, why that's not mine, why it's not my turn. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, 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 we always, like, we learn something new every day on the crowd control part. Like right now on, on the weekday night, before Houston Restaurant Weeks, we are talking about maybe 10, 15 minutes wait, but on the weekend, I mean, easily an hour, an hour, 30 minutes. But that's why we're expanding. Yeah. So, so what are you doing to kind of manage the crowds? I mean, or 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 let's just or tell me a little bit about your plans to expand. Uh, we are going to expand to next door. We'll take over about uh, thirteen hundred square feet of next door, and that will double our seating capacity. So what'll that? So that'll allow you to seat what about a hundred people? And hundred people, yes, close to that. And then, do you have the do you have the kitchen capacity to keep up with yes, all that? Yes, yes. Uh, I think I'm the stupidest uh, restaurant in town. I mean, I overbuilt the kitchen so so much. 
I could have easily seat uh, 70, 75 people in the restaurant right now, but we could only seat 50 because I overbuilt the restaurant, the, the kitchen so much that. So, I mean, we just need a bit more storage area, pretty much it. We don't have to do much to the kitchen. Oh, that's exciting. So when do you think those, uh, those changes will be done? When, when do you expect to open? We are room? in the uh, uh, planning stage, but we should have the drawing into the county um, by the end of the month. So we're trying to have the construction done before everything done before the holiday season. We will have to close for about a week or two for the permitting and the staff training, all this, all that. Yes. All right. So you mentioned you're participating in Houston Restaurant Weeks uh, for the first time. Yes. How's it going? It's, at first, I, I thought, oh, okay. I mean, not a whole lot of reservation. I look at my resi. I mean, there's not, not a whole lot of reservation. But then, boom, last Thursday, wow, uh, it was, it was a quite, a, quite a good turnout. Uh, a lot of people came in just for it was the restaurant, restaurant week's menu, and uh, like last Thursday we had like thirty minutes wait um, just on the week regular weekday night. Yeah. So why did you? What what made you want to participate in the event? I mean, it, it's always I know it's always a little bit like uh, I know restaurateurs always debate the the merits of it. No, uh, I can tell you after one, two, three, four days, we got a lot of new customers. Uh, they might not order the menu. They might not. They look at it. They they see they see the regular menu. Or they, and a lot of people actually do mix and match. Let's say two people. You order the Houston Restaurant Week menu, Houston Restaurant Week menu, and then I'll do the regular menu. A lot of people are doing that. And there are some items on the Houston Restaurant Week menu that's specific just for that menu, like the dessert. We never make dessert at Fat Eatery, but this time because of the Houston Restaurant Weeks. Uh, uh, I made ice cream, I made French toast, stuff like that. So it's only specific to the Houston Restaurant Week's menu. And I'm glad we did. Um, I'm sure we'll be back next year. Right. And then you could, you could in theory, add those desserts to your regular menu after, you, uh, after HRW. Yes. The re- only reason why we did not do dessert the whole time, there are so many great dessert places in the KT Asian town. Like you said, at Boba Place, Tea Place. A lot of guests ask us, uh, do you... You guys have desserts? Uh, no, we don't. But I mean, there are so many of them, great ones around. You have uh, yeah, you can always go get a cream puff at Beard Papa's. Yeah, cream puff. Then you have a turn crepe. Then you have bingsu. All of them, all of them, all of them. Great dessert. They have great desserts. Yeah. What other what other changes would you like to make? Like as you go from year one to year two, or how would you like to see the business grow? Hmm. More room. I need more room. <laughs> I need more room for the guests. Uh, I really do need it. <laughs> um, as you have found that people, maybe more people than you expected are familiar with Malaysian food, are you able to add dishes that you didn't think would sell in the beginning, but now you feel more confident about it? Exactly. Yeah, you're right on that. Um, so we, 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 do, we have a small menu. We have like about 30 items. Compared to Asian restaurant, we have a very small menu. Right, yeah. If you yeah. walk into some of the Chinese restaurants on Bel Air, they'll have, you know, 150 items or something. So 30 yes. is very restrained. Yes, but we do rotate them like the beef rendang. Uh, we just have it back. I mean, we're out because of the supply problem, but now we have it back. Um, like a lot of dishes, like the kirabu prawn that we did as a cold 
jumbo prawn with um, pickled green papaya and uh, mango. It's a cold prawn. Now, okay, after summer, we're going to like rotate it to something new. Yes. So are you, and then are you, are you using like local produce or are you, uh, like where are you, where are your ingredients from mostly? The produce, okay. It's the, let's say, yu choy. We use a lot of yu choy. Uh, those, I mean, pretty much they're all made. They're all in like Texas. Mm-hmm. They're all in Texas, yes. Yes, but uh, for our cuisine, it's very tough to like go to a farmer's market and pick up some yu choy. All right, what is, <laughs> so, so what is yu choy? Yu choy, just green leafy, leafy um, vegetable. Yeah, oh, okay. we use a lot. We use quite a bit, yes. How do you prepare it? We put it in the hokkien mee, we put it in the Malaysian fried rice, and it's uh, an ingredient. And, and then we do stir-fried garlic or with uh, stir-fried balajan. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else are some... Well, no, we talked about your popular dishes. Is there anything you tried that just like didn't work, that you were excited about and it just didn't sell? Luckily, no. <laughs> <laughs> so far, so good. Uh, uh, we, we have a lot of dishes that we love to make, like char siu, like barbecue pork. Uh, we did on the anniversary private dinner. And it had very, very, very good like comments from from the guests. And this is one thing. After expansion, we have the room. Uh, we will do that. Uh, we use charcoal grilled the barbecue pork instead of using an oven. Oh wow! Okay, it's like super labor intensive. I mean, I was I was like soaking wet. I mean, full of like honey and everything. <laughs> yeah, and and I smell like a piece of char siu at the end. Right, and that's a dish that takes hours to prepare, right? It's it's a very yes, precise yes. Technique. It takes like one day to marinate, but and then I have to stand at the um, the charcoal grill to watch it. I mean, because it will it get burned very easily because of the honey on it. Right. Yes. So, did you learn to make? Where did you learn to make that dish in Hong Kong? I learned in Hong Kong from my master. Yes. What uh, What other kind of Chinese style dishes, or or what else are you bringing from Hong Kong to to the restaurant? I would say more, it's more technique more than the dishes itself. Um, the technique, they share very similar technique when, when you prepare um, the ingredients. But I bring more, more like more Cantonese technique into the Malaysian cooking. Um, how you prepare the shrimp, this and that. Um, how you prepare a lot of stuff. How the, the way you cut it, the way you prep it. So we do use a lot more Cantonese technique than just Malaysian technique. Yeah. So, so what, are the, what are the Cantonese techniques? I mean, because that, that sounds kind of unique. Uh, like when we prep the char siu, we're going to like soak it in water overnight. And with uh, Malaysian, they, they do not really do that. Um, and uh, with like the way we do the tofu, which is like a more Cantonese technique than, than the Malaysian technique. Does it taste better when you do it the Cantonese way? Yes, 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 yes. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, it's going very well. Do you have you started to think about a second location? Uh, I get <laughs> a lot of people ask that question. If I if, if one day if I'm ready for the second location, it's the day I can leave the restaurant for sixty days with no phone call, no nothing. Then I'm ready for the second location. <laughs> yeah. So so no time soon. In other words, uh, it. It's happening slowly but surely, yeah. Well, that's exciting. So you've, you've built a good, stable crew in the kitchen? 
Yes, yes, they they they're the best. They are the best. Yes, and if I have 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 the second location, I mean, I would love to be in the Heights. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. On behalf of interloopers everywhere, we would we would also love for you to be in the Heights. Yes, I I noticed that uh, we just have guessed that. Oh, I come all the way from the Heights. I said, did you bring extra water, fill up your tank, and everything before you come over to Katie? <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, I mean, you've gotten a lot of media attention. Do you do you find that people are coming from all over Houston to to try your food? Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, last time when I just finished the segment on Channel Eleven, there is a couple that beat me to the restaurant. They pretty much saw on TV, dropped the remote, and drove all the way from Conroe down there, and they beat me. Good lord. Yes, yes, yes. We have guests that come three times a week. A uh, small family of three. Three times a week, all the way from Woodland. Wow. Yes. I mean, that's what like a solid hour, seventy-five minutes. I mean, got to be even yeah. on the even on the Grand Park. And and they they, they just they just got a ticket last time when they got here. Then they were still happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that adds about a hundred bucks to your dinner check. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yep. 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 So we got a lot of love. Um, I mean, it's we feel very grateful. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, I mean, Alex, that brings me to the end of my questions, unless there's uh, some other aspect of the restaurant you'd like to discuss. Well, I mean, I just, I just can't wait for have, to have more space for our guests, to have a more comfortable environment, and um, not as much of crowd control that we have to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, are people people are pretty patient though? I mean, do they? Do most they of them understand? are. Most of them are. But you, I mean, you always you always get one or two. I mean, they uh, they don't really know the rule too too good. I mean, yeah. And then they they get um, they get creative. Uh, they get a uh, get a table. They like they they just like sit down. Yeah, like like I know the owner, or I mean, but he was talking to me. I mean, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. they're like they're, they're telling you like I know the owner yeah but I, I was talking to them I, I'm in front of them I was talking to them hey how can I help you I know the owner give me a table I, I'm standing right here <laughs> yeah yeah I've never seen you before <laughs> I mean they get pretty creative I mean uh, they use other people's name uh, whatever <laughs> I mean yes yes we've, we've tried like four or five different like waitlist system from a piece of paper there are four different five of different software now we, we're going with Yelp uh, so you can just go online, check the wait time, and get get in line right there. And then at the same time, we have Resi for reservation at the same time also. Yeah, you're on the Resi app with a lot of other really great uh, restaurants. We were so. on the hit list last month, yes. Oh, very good. Okay. <laughs> All right, so before we let you go, we always wrap up with something I call the lightning round. Lightning round! Five easy questions, five short answers. Usually, I ask the questions, but but this week, my beloved co-host, Linda Salinas, is going to ask the questions, and, and she hasn't told me what they are. So, all right. Linda, take it away. All right. First question. If you were a potato, what kind of potato would you be? All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, while Alex contemplates, I'm going to say a Kennebec potato because as you know, I have, I have family in Maine. So Kennebec potatoes are my favorite potatoes. Or you could be a barbecue potato or a... Oh, yeah. Like, you don't, right. You could be a French fry. All right. Or you could be a French fry. All right. French fries. Okay. Yeah. I'll take that. French fries. You'll take that? You'll take that? All right. All right. Question number two. Uh, Fast food guilty pleasure. Filet-O-Fish. Filet-O-Fish? From McDonald's? Yes. 
praise emoji. I like it. I'm into it. <laughs> oh, mine is uh, Jack in the Box egg rolls. Okay. Uh, number three, favorite sports figure. All right. So I, I it used to be Lance Berkman for me, but then the whole like hero ordinance thing, I'm kind of out on, I'm kind of out on the Puma. So I'm going to say Alex Bregman, the Astros third baseman. Yao Ming, for sure. Yeah, boy. <laughs> All right. If you can invite anyone dead or alive to dinner, who would it be with? You, Linda. It would be you. Oh, come on now. <laughs> Calm down. <sighs> Worst. Mm. Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. All right. Yeah. Okay. I want, Last I want to get Castellet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then the last one is what would you take with you to a desert island? Desert island. A desert island? Sorry. Uh, I would take my, my iPhone. I can't imagine my life without it. There might be no signal, though. I, no I signal figure full. it out. No signal full. I'll figure it what out. What would you take with you to a Sunscreen. Desert island? <laughs> deserted. Deserted. The word you're looking for is deserted. Is that what it is? Yes. Oh, okay. I promise. Instant ramen noodle. Yes! That's what I'm talking about. All right. Alex's answers are better than mine. All right. <laughs> Alex, uh, before you get out of here, tell us the, the website and the social media and all of that for Fat Eatery. It's a fateatery.com. P-H-A-T-E-A-T-E-R-Y.com. And our handle is like just hashtag Fat Eatery. All right. Thank you. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at eSandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.